sinfully amazing wraiths and phantoms the hugest mahalo for stopping by and making paranormal prowlers podcast part of your day it is super appreciated those tunes you just heard are as always courtesy of the awesome bobby mackey and i'm of course your host tessa morrow There was once a home in the Kaimuki neighborhood of the beautiful Honolulu, Hawaii. Many locals consider this to be Hawaii's most haunted home. It's often referred to as Hawaii's Amityville Horror House. I hate how I say horror. Horror. Half the time it sounds like I'm saying horror. It's not a horror house. Hawaii's Amityville Horror House. If you go venture to Kaimuki today and you head to the corner of 8th and Harding, well, other sources actually say 2nd and Harding, so on a corner in Harding, you'll see a simple and quite normal-looking two-story house surrounded by tidy bushes and a couple trees here and there and while this home screams normal the house you see today is not the original for that one was torn down and actually rebuilt in 2016 the horrors <laughs> that supposedly occurred in the original home were heinous and terrifying And I'll just get into that in a short moment. Just because the original structure isn't there doesn't mean that it's all fine and dandy. In fact, residents who decide to live here often don't even last three months experiencing things that they just simply cannot explain or debunk. The original story is about a young couple who move into the Kaimuki house All is fine. They're enjoying the island. Tropical life. Thrilled to have found a house at quite an impressive price. Well, one night, the people in the neighboring house, they're hearing large banging sounds and crash-like sounds and a bunch of yelling. And they're thinking, oh, great. Who moved in next to us? Are these a couple that are going to fight all the time or what? So they automatically think, okay, this is like a domestic dispute sort of thing. And the police are called immediately. Somebody call security. Once the police roll up, they expect to break up a fight, do some booking, take one or two of them in, go on their night. Well, Let's just say they were shocked when they entered the scene. Instead of yelling and throwing punches at each other, the couple are embracing and comforting one another. Their claim? Well, it's an unbelievable one. They were being attacked by unseen forces. (laughs) 
And yet another event. Picture it. The year is 1942. Just one year earlier, Pearl Harbor was attacked, claiming the lives of 2,403 people. The police respond to a call coming from the infamous Kaimuki House. When they arrive, they see a woman who is clearly distraught, straight up panic mode. She's frantically saying, she's trying to kill my children. And she repeats this several times. She's trying to kill my children. She's trying to kill my children. The officers leave the scared mother on the front lawn and walk through that doorway. And what they see is absolutely a shock pure terror. They see the woman's terrified and quite defenseless children being levitated into the air, being smacked and pushed around and being violently thrown across the room by things that are unseen to them. How do they apprehend something or someone that you just cannot see? And I found an old article dating back to August 13th, 1942. And for those who were curious, as I was, no, it wasn't Friday the 13th. I looked it up. It was actually Thursday the 13th. Either way, the Honolulu Star Bulletin reports this. Kahuna, Hawaii's own witchcraft, brewed evils again Wednesday night, dispelling old-timers' hopes that the war had stilled it. Answering a Kaimuki near-riot call, a police sergeant and a patrolman found a Hawaiian boy, Ted, and his two sisters, ages 18 and 20, shrieking on a sofa. The mother, besides shrieking, was waving tea leaves and sprinkling Hawaiian salt to ward off the ghosts. The woman said that her son had detected an odor of ghosts, angry at being found out. The spirits first attacked him, then began repeated attempts to strangle his sisters. And the mother says, My husband who left me is to blame. After a one and a half hour struggle, police and family yielded the home to Kahuna and retreated to the mother's sister's home. As they left and sleepless neighbors gave thanks, the mother turns to the sergeant and says, Look, you have goosebumps too. Another such event that landed in the local newspaper, this happened in 1972 on Halloween night. That has to do with a young lady who is suddenly attacked by a very angry and vengeful spirit in the notorious home. She runs outside, going to her car, and being out of the house gives her a false sense of security, thinking, okay, I'm safe now. She couldn't be more wrong. The newspaper reports. A police officer in a patrol car in Kaimuki got a late night call from three girls sharing a house which the neighborhood considered haunted. The girls heard strange noises of someone moving around and talking, and one of the girls said she felt a hand on her arm. They decided to spend the rest of the night at Papakaloa with the mother of one of the girls and wanted the policeman to follow them there. The girls got into their car, and the officer got into his, and they drove down Wailai Avenue. Suddenly, the girl, 
driving, pulled her car over into the old Oasis Inn parking lot. The policeman later wrote in his report that the girl in the middle of the front seat was fighting off someone who could not be seen, but who was strangling her. He jumped out of his car and reached into the girl's car to help. In retelling the story, the officer says, A big, strong, calloused hand that could not possibly belong to a teenaged girl grabbed my arm and twisted it. I radioed for assistance. The answering officer was prepared for a parking lot fight, but not a ghost. There's a ghost in that car, he told me. And he was as white as a sheet. The girls, they were hysterical. I had told the girl who had been choked to get into the police car and the other two follow us to Papakolea. As soon as she got in the car, the motor dies. It wouldn't start again. He put her back into the girl's car. And the officer tried the motor, and it immediately started. The two cars drove about five yards, and suddenly, this door of the girl's car flew open, and the same girl fell out onto the road. Again, she was tearing at her throat, as if someone was choking her. Together, the two policemen were not strong enough to pull her hands away. And it kind of ends there. I can't find like a full-blown news article about that. But word is it supposedly ha- ends that the policeman could do nothing but stand there and watch her be strangled to death. Now, how did a house get so evil? It said that several years ago, a family lived there and the man of the house starts acting very bizarre, clearly not himself. We've seen this in movies before, right? He kills himself, but not before he takes out his entire family. Brutally murdering his wife and his children, a daughter and a son. Later on, two sets of remains would be unearthed in the yard, proving to be the man's. No, scratch that. No real man would murder his family. Tess would come back as being the murderer's wife and son. The body of the daughter, well, that's never been located, ever. Some believe she's buried somewhere within the house walls. And at some point, a married couple, two women, move in and make the haunted home, home sweet home. One of the women, well, she meets a man and they fall for each other and they have an affair, full-blown affair. Now, the man, he doesn't know that not only is she married, but she prefers the company of other women. He's enraged at this. He kills not only his new girlfriend, but her wife as well. He then kills himself. This, of course, all takes place in the Kaimuki house. Now, in 1977, a Japanese couple moves into the house Unaware of the reputation it's gained throughout the decades. It's the first night in their brand new home. After a long day of unpacking, the couple, they settle into their new digs and tries to get some much needed relaxation. Well, it doesn't take long for the new residents to realize something is kind of off about their home. In fact, it's only the first night 
Around the stroke of midnight, the woman wakes up out of a deep sleep. What? She's shivering. The room is ice cold. She glances around the room to see a woman whose ghostly white body seems to be floating in the midair. What's even more unsettling, the woman is missing her arms and her legs. Terrified at what she's seeing, she desperately wakes up her sleeping husband. As soon as this happens, the uninvited woman, the intruder, disappears. The man didn't see the floating torso, but he saw the fear in his wife's eyes, and he knew that she wasn't telling tall tales. This isn't any kind of bullshit theory or story. No. So they next day, they first thing the determined couple does is jump into action. They contact a priest who tells them, Make an offering of bread and water every single day to the spirit that is kosher. Then he tells them to throw it out of the window at night as an offering. He shares with them that several murders occurred here throughout the years and that due to these heinous and disgusting and most outrageous worst of crimes, Kasha has been conjured here and here is where she remains. The couple do as they are told and they never see the levitating torso of the woman ever again, thankfully. So... Who the hell's Kasha? Well, in ancient Japan, Kasha translates to fire cart. Kasha is believed to be a man-devouring spirit. Besides taking residence up in the Kaimuki house in Honolulu, Kasha often is thought to live around crematoriums feeding on the dead. Believed to be able to transform into your typical house cat, waiting for the perfect moment to attack and devour its prey. They are thought to bring the bodies down to hell as punishment for committing sins throughout their lives. And I found kind of like a blog, if you will, of a man who in more recent times lived in the Kaimuki house. Well, actually it was the house that was rebuilt. The one you see standing today. This fellow and some of his friends find this place, and for being in Honolulu, they are shocked to find a decently new house and the price it was available for. Now, I went to Hawaii, it's going to be nine years this October, for my birthday, and where I was staying with uh, my sister, and... (laughs) I made the mistake of getting an iced tea at some overpriced restaurant and it was like $6 with no refills and it wasn't even that good of an iced tea. It was just like your typical like tea. So I was like, screw that. I'll just stick to my beer. And I'm jumping off target real quick off the subject for my birthday. I remember usually for my birthday, I treat myself to a mouth-watering huge gigantic steak with shrimp and I'm a total surf and turf girl and so being in Hawaii I had been there several times before as a child but I was like I am so excited to go and you know have my big old steak for the night and so that day we go to the road to Hana and I I was so sick by the end of it 
by the time we got there and came back, I was so nauseous and sick that I could not even think of eating any food. And so I think later that night, we ended up going to Taco Bell, where I got like your average taco where I could get anywhere. And I got sick after that. And I was so sad. I was like, Oh, it was so beautiful, Hana. But oh, man, if I could do a redo, do a do over, I certainly would. But anyways, so Hawaii is gorgeous, but it's expensive. So it's like the price of paying in paradise, basically. So it's no surprise that finding a house out there or to buy or rent could be a challenge, could be expensive. And so this guy and his friends, they thought, wow, this is too good to be true. This this cheap house falls into our laps. I mean, come on, what's the deal? What's happening here? So even though they're kind of curious about why it's so cheap and what have you, they move in. And I don't know how they figure out that, hey, this is the old Kaimuki house location. But they make some rules for themselves and their guests once they do find out this happened. Like, hey, we're going to promise to each other to never, ever, ever use a Ouija board. No Halloween parties up in this bitch. And absolutely no challenging the ghosts or tempting fate. I mean, that seems reasonable, right? Well, the group of friends, they're not too terribly concerned as the owner and his family live in the upstairs portion. Now, this man in particular who shares the story, he's kind of a skeptic at heart. He's a I need to see it to believe it type of dude. He's not an easy guy to convince. He shares a scary thing that happened more than once. I would wake up at exactly 4.33 a.m. each time as if I had just been injected with adrenaline. My room would be ice cold, and before I could get my bearings, every internal alarm and gut feeling I had told me that something was very, very wrong. There were no sights or sounds to confirm my anxiety, but my internal alarms would be just blaring. Following my abrupt awakening, every smoke alarm in the house would beep once. They weren't connected to a central hub. They're all battery-powered in separate rooms, yet they would all beep in unison. Earlier, he had mentioned that he would wake up to his room being, like, totally ice cold. Well, he shares that he had bought, a little earlier on, a small portable... AC unit system, which was set to automatically turn off when his room reached a comfortable 72 degrees. At times, he would wake up to it being like 60 degrees. And this little AC unit was just a tiny, small, simple thing. It was it was not capable of making enough power to get that room that cold. The room temperature wasn't the haunting part. It was the cold feeling in my chest. It was. It felt like I was being stabbed by a white walker. A humanoid creature from Game of Thrones. My veins were filled with ice water and I thought my life force was being drained out of me. My chest was tight. I struggled to breathe. No matter what I told myself to calm down, the feeling crept through me like a virus until I just could barely move. He admits that when this would happen, 
he would try to get out of the room as quickly as possible, often tripping over things, prolonging his time in that room, unfortunately. And when he would finally get out of the room, ah, the dread would go away. He he wouldn't be cold anymore. His the adrenaline was gone. He it, things were back to normal. Now, that sucks because you think like, you know, you spend a good portion of your time in your room, whether you need some privacy or, you know, you're going to sleep or you're changing or, you know, you do your daily rituals, read a book, whatever. You spend a lot of time in your room. And so that sucks that this is supposed to be the place you're comfortable. You feel safe. It's your safe haven. This is the place where you chill. No, I mean, it was just total dread. And it wasn't like that, like all the time, but still, like when this happens more than once, it's kind of like, okay, what the hell is happening here? Exactly what's happening? Now, while the original house may no longer exist, the man believes that the new home is indeed haunted, but not by the sadistic Hannibal that is Kasha, but a very much sort of lighter type of haunting. Well, I think there was a ghost that lived there. It wasn't Kasha. Kasha is a Japanese demon with a flaming lion head that would steal corpses out of coffins and feast on them. Something I would have definitely noticed. Today, life is a bit on the less paranormal side for this gentleman as... Or so I would hope, as he did leave not only the house, but Hawaii itself in 2019, relocating to somewhere in the West Coast. He was told by neighbors that nobody besides him have stayed longer than three months. He admits to have going through several roommates while he lived there. And he said that what was interesting is, is that his friends who lived there with him never spoke up and said that they experienced the same thing, yet they didn't stay as long. And so to me, that's kind of interesting. It's like, what's happening here? You know, I'm sure he would have shared what happened to him with them. And, you know, I mean, people leave places for reasons, you know, I mean, whatever. But makes you wonder, was it paranormal? Or was it just something more simple? Like, hey, my family's too far away, or, you know, whatever. So next time you're in tropical, beautiful Hawaii, and you're taking a walk, and you hear a sound, maybe it's a cackle, or maybe a woman laughing, something like that, or maybe you see a cat, it may just be Kasha at the Kaimuki house. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others, you guys. They are equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? Just head on over to any of those terrific podcast platforms such as Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, Podchaser, Radio Public, Listen Notes, wherever you may roam. To listen to your other awesomely spooky podcast, you'll probably find Paranormal Brothers podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Banning, California, Agra, India, Tres Cantos, Spain, Claymont, Delaware, and Centennial, Colorado. Thank you so much for listening, you guys, making me part of your day, night, morning, 
Twilight, whenever you listen and wherever you're listening from, it is absolutely just so appreciated. Have an idea for an episode. Do you want to be a voiceover in a future podcast episode? Let me know. Email me at paranormal.prowlers.podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to throw that subscribe button some love. And we will see you next week, my beautiful, lovely friends.